0: One. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our Cyberpunk Cast, where we talk about all aspects of cyberpunk media, culture, etc. Um, with me today, we got Barry. Hello. Tilly. Howdy. Randy.
1: Data file two of two.
0: Graham. Hello. And Sammy. Hello. So, as you may have figured out from the title, this is part two of our discussion on Cyberpunk 2020. We had so much to talk about that we didn't get to last week that we're filling another episode. So, we made
2: a sizable dent. We think we might finish, but I don't know.
3: Is... No, no, no. We, we will. Two, two we is
0: for most we're doing.
2: <laughs> That's um, a lot of info,
0: but we're squeezing it into two.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so I will let the discussion begin.
1: I'll let other people start as I took a good chunk of it last time.
3: So, Randy, Netrunners, why may because <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. the net running rules are in a horrible horrible mess in cyber well,
3: 20- i came up with a really fun idea i haven't got it on paper yet i'm kind of in the middle of tweaking it but how about taking the red net runner rules but using them in the 2020 universe
1: i thought about that I honestly, honestly thought about that. The problem is, it's apples and oranges. I mean, the changes between... The changes to the net between 2020 and red would basically, if you were trying to change those rules to use reds, you would have to massively, massively mess with the lore. Um,
3: no, no, no. I don't mean in terms of... Base. Ah. Come on, Discord, work with me here, coming me out. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean, like, changing the lore and all that other stuff, but the way they use architecture instead of data fortresses, for example, and just all that other stuff. Like, the rules are just so much simpler in yeah, way yeah. compared to what they are in 2020, where the Netrunner officially, like, gets 50 turns in the turn. the group gets one. Well, depending on your rank, you can get up to 5... Turns in the term that one person gets, but it's all at the same time. There's no separation between meat space and cyberspace, let's just call it.
1: <laughs> Bob and but, I once sat down yeah. for about a week and hammered out a set of net running rules for 2020, um, that were based on a hybrid between what was in cyberpunk what was in Shadowrun, and what was in our own thing. Hmm.
0: But okay. did you get hammered while doing so?
1: I don't get hammered.
0: Yeah. No, that's too bad.
1: Uh, I have, the there, there, There's family history behind the reasons I don't. Okay. Had some, we've had some very violent, nasty drunks in my father's <laughs> but, family. Uh, so uh, that's off, like, off topic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, so, we, we sat down... For I want to say about four or five hours every day at, uh, at lunch, unquote, and would sit here and make these hybrid special rules, and neither of us can find them anymore. No,
4: oh. that sucks. Yeah. I was going to say I thought Netrunner was basically a one-on-one with
3: the GM in in official twenty twenty. Basically, yes. The Netrunner plays an entirely other game separate from the rest of the group, pretty much. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is, uh,
2: you know... There's a modern variation we could utilize, which is not (coughs) perfect. It would have the Netrunning stuff separate from the rest of the game, but it would simply be, uh... You're probably gonna say, no,
1: just play Netrunner online. That's it. That was I think what eventually re- called caused us to put down our rules ah. was the Netrunner card game came out and Bob said, oh, we could just do a game of Netrunner instead. <laughs> and because uh, there were rules for that. Yeah. Problem is that the modern Netrunner actually is a completely different universe than 2020. Mm.
3: Um, In terms of what they do, yeah, I agree.
2: Um,
1: because I still the old have the Netrunner classic the
2: Netrunner was, um, it was all in one box. The new Netrunner is, it's a living card game. You pick the corp, you pick the, the, the runner. There's several different decks for each side. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: the Netrunner card game was actually old compared to what's been released very recently in 77 and Red.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but in the old one, it was a lot more buying packs, because I, I remember that was part of the problem was making sure that the runner deck actually had what the runner deck needed. It, uh, uh. it was a long time ago. It was yeah. we we kept trying to find new ways to streamline net running. And while using reds might simplify <coughs> things, something just strikes me as wrong about it.
3: Mm. Because your Mixing up, like, what the law entails com- compared to just game rules?
1: Just compared to how it works, and I don't just mean lore. Um, the simplified system and... Um, it's just... And besides, this is not a discussion for this podcast. This is personal decision. Hmm.
3: Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm am counting the discussion on net run as part of the podcast discussion because net running is one of those things in yes, 2020, which is an issue.
1: Why don't I use? Yeah, not about the 2020 system.
3: Oh, two seconds. Sorry, continue.
0: So, going off that, why is Netrunning so difficult in 2020, in your oh. opinion?
1: Probably because Pondsmith wanted to make it as close to what it, what, what it looked like in the books um, and wasn't willing to sacrifice that for convenience. Um, and from what I can remember, it's the 2020 rules were still better than the 2013 rules, and I never really looked for what he tried to do in version 3, because th- version 3 was a nightmare anyway.
2: Um, so, actually, I, I got a question. Uh, how similar would you say netrunning in 2020 or Red or any of the other netrunning stuff? How similar would you say it is to, did you see any of the gameplay from when Matt, when Matt played System Shock? Because that No, I some, did not. Okay, that's virtual reality stuff in there. You log into uh, Terminal, and all the stuff in there is 3D. You're going around the 3D thing. If there's enemies around you, they're pretty much frozen in place while you're in virtual reality because it's all, you know, blink of an eye.
1: <sighs> Net running in 2020 is a dungeon delve within a game. Ah. Um only of course you're restricted to only the netrunner or netrunners doing it and instead of weapons they're running the programs off their deck um it's each data fortress is this huge confusing maze in which various things you reach wind up being various icons that represent this that and the other thing and it's all supposed to have this virtual look that represents whatever that particular data fortress's style was.
5: Mm.
1: Um, for example, if you're running Arasaka, it probably looks like a Japanese castle. Yeah. Um, the problem is, um, it leaves all of the description up to the GM and I mean all of it to create what it looks like, and then you've basically just got, at best, a layout that the GM has to augment to do it. (sighs) Honestly, I don't know why Pondsmith made it so teeth-pullingly aggravating, Mm. but uh, a lot of what we eventually wound up basing our netrunner rules on, I remember that. Is anybody remember the Shadowrun Genesis game from the 90s? Not the Super Nintendo one, the Sega Genesis one. No. Because it had... It basically took Shadowrun's decking rules and simplified it.
4: Hmm. And we liked that. Did that come out?
1: Oh, God. I want to say 96, 97...
5: Okay, then that would be why
1: I wasn't
5: old enough to be anywhere near that. Yeah,
1: it was very much near the end of the Genesis life cycle,
4: and I was in the middle of uh, MTG at the time.
1: Ah. Um. Both Bob and I played. Uh, uh, it was '94. I'm completely wrong, but. Mm. Because that meant I had it for years before I even met Bob, but I remember us looking forward to that and going, okay, okay, we played this. We like it. Let's see if we can adapt it. Ah. Mind you, I was one of these guys in the 90s that had a uh, home entertainment center that had every console except uh, since Pong. <laughs> Hooked up to my, uh, hooked up to my TV. Uh,
4: that's that is actually the one that I'm missing, by the way.
1: Mm. Pong. Yep, I have I have an
4: Atari Twenty Six Hundred, an Intellivision. You kind of get the idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, my parents owned a Pong machine on, in the seventies that I inherited. <laughs> nice. Yeah um and a good chunk of my machines were friends going yeah i just got this console so do you want my old one and i'm like sure
5: (laughs) it was a magnavox odyssey
1: i don't know if i had one of those or not Hmm. but i knew no i do know i had five 2600s i was i was using four to keep the fifth alive yep
4: (laughs) yep (laughs) <laughs> I have actually. I still have a working twenty-six and a seventy-eight. By oh, the way,
1: wait. The other four were for parts, right?
0: Yes. It's yeah, totally I would have to
1: replace. Uh, <laughs> I would have to replace switches and knobs all the time. Ah. Um. But I wound up donating all my consoles to uh, GeekCon ages ago, ah. and Aww. they sold them all. Um. When they folded. Mm. Um. Which was fine because I was living. In a studio apartment at the time, and I had no space for them. Mm.
4: Um, that would have been the centerpiece of my room.
0: <laughs> my centerpiece I, would be skulls. I had
1: I had gone entirely to computer gaming at the time. Mm. Um, this was a period that I, I used to be a huge uh, video game follower of console games. I was a huge Zelda fanatic. I was a huge Final Fantasy fanatic. And then there was just this one part where I just stopped playing them all and stopped paying attention. And that was during this period. <coughs> but we're off topic.
5: Oh, excuse me.
4: Sorry about I mean, that. Nothing wrong with them off topic. But we. So we'll we'll just that. Okay.
1: Uh, so we, we, we played this game, and Bob and I are just like, well, this is simple, basic. Can we convert this? And that's when we sat down for I forget how long and just started ripping out these rules, and it allowed the Netrunner to function on a one-to-one basis with the rest of the group. We tried it, I think, in two games, and then the Netrunner deck went out. Uh. So... And Bob's like, this is more interesting. We could probably do this faster. (laughs) And then I remember we hit the Netrunner game from hell. Uh Oh. Uh, Three hours, I was still running the corp.
2: Oh, that one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I remember, um, I don't remember like, all the details, but I remember like you were playing a Netrunner game, and they went to class, and they came out of my class, and I'm like, oh, you're you're playing another game, and, and you're like, no, same game.
5: Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah, I just want to apologize, because where I did want your opinion on it, Randy, but I didn't mean... To break it down from a personal perspective, I just meant from your experience, why did net running not work?
1: I don't know. It didn't really work in Shadowrun either. Both creators had a vision, and both made it exceedingly clunky. I mean, this would be a question to ask Con Smith, and it would be a question to ask the guys that made Shadowrun if I knew who they were anymore.
0: I, I would uh, love to ask Con Smith, but. I don't think we'd ever be able to even get him to hear about this podcast. Probably, yeah. No. yeah I was gonna no. say, <laughs> <guest> eventually, <laughs> special guest. My there favorite. is a chance we will have a special guest. Oh, uh, a very special guest. It, well, next week we'll have. We might have a special guest because he wants to join. There is a guy that wants to join our discussion on Blade Runner. Ah. And then there. Blade Runner. Say again. No, oh, we already did Blade Runner. We did, Blade but this Blade 2049.
2: Runner 2049. Yes. Oh. And we also and have the recording scheduled for Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep.
0: Yes. And then there is a uh, another person that we can, I'm hoping we can get, but we have to move to Fridays for. Mm. As a special guest for the Cyberpunk Red discussion. Ah.
1: So did I ever mention to you guys I've actually met Mike Bondsmith?
0: Yes. Yes. Several times now. <laughs> I
5: well, I, I, I was story. actually
1: bringing that up for it to be on the podcast, which is never been. <laughs> Again,
5: I haven't heard this story. Please tell. So, um <laughs>
1: I went to Gen Con I think in nineteen ninety seven. It, might, it, might have, it was either 97 or 98.
0: Years ago. Ah! Wait, I'm sorry! Tell it. We'll silence the ringer.
1: What a wonderful thing uh, you've discovered. Thank you. And we yeah, well, signed up for an Artelsorian-led demo mm-hmm. of the what would have been the alpha test for Cyberpunk version 3. Ah. Um. It happened, I think, on a Sunday morning. All right. And we got there, it was, um, this was so big that the uh, the main center, uh, we were out in the expansion that they were doing in uh, the Mecca building in Milwaukee, which was their Coliseum. Mm. Um, so we're down there in, you know, these little uh, divider sitting in the middle of the Coliseum waiting for this guy from Artelsorian saurian to show up. And we're waiting for about 45 minutes.
5: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: The rest of us are all looking at each other like, are we where we're supposed to be? Should we just leave? And finally, this guy shows up, and he's like, sorry, it was our turn to raid the TSR castle. <laughs> now, back in this time, this was back when TSR was actually in existence. Uh, there was this huge like, foam brick castle right in the center of the dealer room that had all of TSR's product in it. Apparently, on the last day prior to opening the dealer room, uh, they would draw lots for which um, provider could do a nerf raid on the castle and the guys from TSR would defend. Hmm. And just happened that their number came up right when our session was supposed to begin.
0: So, my question is... If you beat the if you beat TFR in the raid, did you get something?
1: I don't know. That was that was most we got because he was that was what he told us while he was setting up. Mm. Uh, so he wrote a so he basically wove us this story of us being trapped on a on a orbiting spaceship, trying to get back to Earth using his system. And, you know, while we were gaming, we were chit-chatting. We were telling him that Bob and I were talking about Madison 2020, which we was we had built and put on the internet at the time. And none of us knew who he was. All we knew is that he had the world's greatest voice for narrating. <laughs> and as you turn on the radio, there is a sound that sounds vaguely like Klingon coming from the speakers.
3: Totally <laughs> like What? Totally Mike Pondsmith.
1: Oh, yes. The thing is, we didn't know at the time. So two weeks after Gen Con, I'm working on stuff for the next Cyberpunk session. And I look at my Cyberpunk book and I immediately grab my phone and I call Bob. And Bob's like, what? It's late. What are you talking to me? Bob, grab your 2020 book. Okay. Look at the byline. Do you remember that guy we were at Gen Con with? (laughs) And he's like, oh, shit. (laughs) As it just hits him there. We both spent about an hour freaking out about the fact that we were we actually did a game with Mike Pondsmith and didn't know it at the time. (laughs) (laughs) So many things I would have asked had I known.
0: (laughs) And you'll never have that opportunity again.
1: Yes, and one of the things I would have asked is why was Netrunning so ass? <laughs> <laughs>
5: oh. He probably wouldn't have appreciated we that. Were,
1: we <laughs> were going to invite him to the 2020 GeekCon, oh. but the convention folded before then. Yeah, it closed in the I,
2: That was the last one.
1: We were going to go, hey, Mike, it's 2020. Where's our cyber limbs? Where's our aerodynes? Come on, man in the. Well,
0: now they pushed it back another 25 years, so
1: we still have a chance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I would like to point out that cyber limbs are actually a thing. Yeah.
1: Yes, but not the same quality that they have in cyberpunk. Mm-hmm.
0: No, but I mean in 25, 30 years they might be. In 2045, when we're all under
3: nuclear radiation and dying,
1: where's my direct neural interface? I wanted to to be part of the net by now. (laughs) Where's
3: my cyber mode on? I want to jack in.
1: Huh? I wanted to invent Soul Killer and have it basically suck myself into the net.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I will live for a radical (laughs) cyberpunk. <clears throat> it is a lot of cyberpunk.
3: Oh, yeah. Someone right. actually created a cyber modem. Hmm. In real life. Yeah, it's not very good, but they made one.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. Yeah, it, it lacks the direct neural well, interface that they need for, you know, what they do in Cyberpunk.
0: I would think you could do the same thing with a Raspberry Pi, honestly. <laughs> So i at least just go around carrying like a little hard drive or something and say, "Oh yeah, this is my cyber mode." <laughs> this is so the cyber anybody
1: else? Anybody else have a anecdote, statement, something? Um. Because I'm How trying to. Pick
3: up not... the thing. Randy, you're the one person we wanted here because you know everything about cyberpunk. Yeah.
1: Well, not
5: this everything,
1: but I know quite a bit.
5: <laughs> you are the guess I mean, you have been playing it the last, what, 20 years? At least 30. Yes. Or...
1: yes, in the 90s, Bob and I had this competition over who could get all the books. <laughs> first. I won. Who won. That was to say. <laughs> I won because of the GM screen. Ah. Eh. Because... Oh, yeah, you couldn't find the GM screen. No, he found it before I did. He didn't have the money for it. Mm. So he put it on hold at this used bookstore on State Street in Madison and forgot about it. I know the one. And I came in like three (laughs) months later, and the person had just taken it off the hold shelf and put it on, and I snapped it up on him. Was that alternate realities? Uh, I think it might have been. The sci-fi used books, or the sci-fi bookstore? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the one, yeah. The one right by Shakti's? Yeah, that was that was the one. Which by yeah, the way, we that, had a very good relationship store, with the owner.
2: That store has since closed and been replaced by another as of at least 5 years ago.
1: Yeah, well, actually more like 10 cuz the owner moved to somewhere in the Carolinas. Ah, okay. She retired. But yeah, we had a we had a good working relationship with her cuz she knew exactly who what we wanted the moment we walked in the store. <laughs> <laughs> And she knew we'd spend money too. Yeah. I never could.
3: I want book. I have book. Take book. Yeah, have money.
1: But yes, as of this point, both of us have all the, the original 2020 cyberpunk books.
3: Wee. Still sad the fire uh, the full Firestorm series never got posted.
1: Yeah.
5: Well that it was my moves. favorite series. Yeah, same.
1: Well, and it was supposed to be the Magnus Opus, mm. the grand finale to 2020. Yeah, well, uh, he kept delaying version three. I was gonna so say, did he get the first two out? He got yeah, Firestorm or Stormfront and Shockwave. He never got Aftershock yeah. out. I think that eventually posted on the net what was going to be the contents of Aftershock, but that was kind of, not not all the details, but you know, roughly. Um, right before he went to go work for uh, Microsoft Games,
3: which, by the way, you cannot find any of the info from AfterShock anywhere anymore.
1: Oh. yeah, that's because the website it was posted on, I think, was uh, Blackhammers or something. It was one of the it was one of the uh, the Cyberpunk websites that that up and died.
0: All right, I'm just gonna read this little article stub. Um, the long-awaited third volume, AfterShock promised to tie all the loose ends together and herald the end of the old Cyberpunk 2020 and usher in the beginning of the new Cyberpunk V3. It was later cancelled and its material was folded into the Cyberpunk V3 rules book.
1: Okay. Then uh, Bob, I think, had an advanced copy of that information. Mm. Um, Cyberpunk V3 was a horrible, horrible failure. Yes, it was. It was an abomination that I'm not usually one to promote book burning. God damn at the time if I wouldn't have collected all the copies and burnt them all.
4: You sound like like Namco with uh, the old Atari cartridges for uh, Pac-Man.
5: Brilliant. Why didn't they just do that with the old Atari cartridges for E.T.? They
4: tried that, too.
5: (laughs)
0: <laughs>
4: you just buried those in a bun. <laughs> <laughs> was the problem with, actually, the biggest problem with ET was they made more cartridges than there were consoles. Yeah,
3: hmm.
1: that was that was a that was a dumb decision. And mm-hmm. hey,
4: um,
3: we hoping people would buy more
4: consoles. Yes, I have a copy of it.
1: I used to have you three.
4: You should run it. <laughs> you should run it. Me.
1: <laughs> uh, because uh, people kept giving me their old Ataris and their old collections. Mm. So oh. I had multiple copies of many games because... I, I forget how many copies of Combat I had.
0: Oh my gosh. I bet if you still had them, maybe really a really lot of money. video game podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not.
1: But, uh, no, also the fact that Cyberpunk never actually got a video game until... Now. Well, Just now. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
4: It, at, with, I mean, it, 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 it started a
1: year before Shadowrun, and how many fucking video games have Shadowrun have? Mm. Uh,
0: I know of one.
1: It's close to a half dozen, at least.
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: because you have know the,
0: the one for Atari.
1: You mean by Atari? Yes, whatever. <laughs> because there was one for the Super Nintendo back in about 1992, made by Data East. Ah. Then there was the one for the Genesis, which came out a year later. Then there was the one by Atari, which came out, what, around 2000? And then there's that Shadowrun Return series you can get on Steam, which is, I think, three games. Hmm. Cool. So, that's six games in the time it took Cyberpunk to make one.
0: Well, to be fair, they didn't start making the one until... 2018?
1: More like 2015. 2016? Because yeah. I, I do I do remember their first little trailer with the, with the date when we feel like it, but that was around 2015. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember Bob and I just absolutely geeking out on it at the time. Yeah.
0: Then 2015.
1: Yeah. So anyway. it took them four plus years to develop the game. But
0: which is not unheard of.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, f- I'm I'm following Metroid Prime <laughs> Four, and it's it's development hell. But still, the
0: fact that it was you know basically a beta that we got, and they spent four years on I mean, it. Just because we got it.
5: I mean, for God's sakes, uh, Left 3 Dead Three was in the works with Valve for like. Let, let's Five not talk about to.
0: Left 4 Dead Free because I'm just.
5: Let's one... not
1: talk
0: about any Valve games. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, um,
0: there were a couple of I good ones.
1: Version three was a horrible, 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 horrible book, and they've since gone. Nope, nope, not canon, not canon. <laughs>
0: yeah, they kind and of had t- to.
1: And so now they've released Red, which is at least a. Uh, decently popular it didn't have their fan base go on release so we'll call that a positive i
0: I will say i was excited when i heard that red was coming out
1: Mm -hmm.
0: i want the pa trooper back well give them time to write all that stuff yeah i was
5: about to say give them time
1: the pa trooper didn't come out I think until the Maximum Metal source book or one of the uh, Corp War books, I don't remember
0: it, which. I was gonna in say, Yeah, it was Maximum Metal.
1: Um,
5: I was say, I know it's in the. Uh, I'm trying to think of what it's called and it's not coming to me. Then think harder. Uh, <laughs> Fire, I believe it's Firestorm Stormfront.
1: Yeah, okay. I think there might have been a proto-version in Maximum Metal, but... Well, was,
3: that, was, that was when, uh... I was about to say, Firestorm was a later book. Yes, the it was. Original, yeah, the original PA Trooper was in Maximum Metal, which was early 90s.
1: Yep. That was their first big vehicle book.
3: Yes, yeah. and it included powered armor and the PA Trooper class and all that stuff.
1: I can... Technically, this is a 2020, uh... Uh, thing, but I will tell you that there is a vehicle book planned to be the third release for Red. Hmm. Um, I heard. What are yeah, the first two? Yeah. Well, the first one's already out. That's the main book. <laughs> the second one is going to be a Chromebook that is equipment. Hmm. And then ooh, the third book ooh, is going to be that. a Chromebook that is
0: vehicles. Hmm. I want that too. <laughs>
3: The only thing is, though, is because of, I know it's 2020 and this is now Red, but shush. The thing is, how they set about the gear in Red, it leaves it open to a lot of interpretation anyway. So, oh, I
0: know.
3: So, releasing an actual gear book, unless it's gear like agents or computers, weapons and armor are pretty much already covered.
1: I don't yeah. know. I would, I would love to have some more detail in the weapons. Red.
3: I would love detail. Yeah, I'm just saying, saying shotgun. I'm just saying it's shotgun. a little redundant is all I'm saying. Because they leave it already open to interpretation.
1: One of the things that was my regular bible was the Black Hand Street Guide 2020 yes. that had like pretty that much every freaking weapon in the, that had ever been published in one yeah, compilation. I
0: love Black Hand's Guide.
1: Oh yeah. I think I have four copies of it.
0: <laughs>
3: so I, 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 I,
1: I have either three or four And Bob has either three or four One of us has three, one of us has four I can't remember which is which <laughs> It's like I also have three copies of the core book <laughs>
0: See, I need a copy of the core book I cannot find a hard printing. copy anyway I just <laughs> use Trove
1: <laughs> Yeah <laughs>
0: Trove is the best. Uh, I take that back. Yes, I take yes, that back. I, 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 I found one on through Drive through RPG.
1: I, I, I agree with you on Trove, but remember when I first was collecting these, it was the nineteen nineties and yeah. Trove did not yet exist. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot no. easier to find Cyberpunk and used bookstores, let me tell you.
0: Yes. Yeah, now if you find it it's like a holy grail.
1: Yeah. Yep. Not, now, now you get it. You hold it up. Trove. That Zelda theme plays. Do 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 do. Yeah. I do remember
2: <laughs> using stuff on Trove. I think before Doc moved to his house, which was uh, January of two thousand four. So I think before then, I was using Trove.
1: Either I way, when I'm gming, using something there was online cyberbug uh that early, but. When I'm GMing, I find it a lot easier to have a physical copy of the book yeah. rather than having to go through a PDF because trying to find a specific page in a PDF takes me forever. Yeah. Where I can where I can rapid flip through a book and go, oh, here it is. Actually, the PDF is good for
2: Cyberpunk because you just go to the table of contents or the index, you find it, you click, you're there.
1: That's red. That's not the 2020s.
2: Ah, uh, okay. But also, something I'd like to see canon in red is stuff that was third party in twenty twenty two specific things, maybe a third. The two I would really like to see canon are... It, do you remember Ocelot's Discount Cyber shop Yes. I remember it. That is something I'd like to see canon in red. Options to get discounts on cybernetics, but at a cost. And another one I'd like to see is, like, adware. Like, adware in chips. You get a chip, it's really cheap, but there's certain effects that happen every now and again that make it either uh, really cheap or free. And for a possible third, was something for vehicles called polycoat,
1: where you could change the color of your vehicle, like, on the fly. Actually, I like that one. Yeah. But... You've brought up something that I I really did want to talk about for Cyberpunk, and that is the amount, as of like the 90s, circa 2000, the amount of websites out there that were devoted to this game. Yeah. Um, Still. Black Hammers, Data Fortress 2020, Ocelots. Yeah. Oh my God, the list went on and on and on and on. I was part of a network. Of websites that were all cyberpunk related at the time and but they he all was... had alternate rules, they all had improved rules for this they all had recommendations extra cyberware, some of them converted Shadowrun stuff to cyberpunk yeah
3: but here's um, the thing though, half of those websites, although they might not be managed anymore, are still up and running and the half that aren't there's new ones that have replaced them
5: Mm-hmm.
3: The the genre itself is still very much alive.
1: Yeah, it took a it took a dive for a while during the steampunk movement. Um because everyone's like, why were you paying attention to cyberpunk? Steampunk's the thing. And then of course and then of course the wheel went around again and it's back to cyberpunk.
3: Mm-hmm. Twenty seventy-seven, yay!
0: <laughs> so Grim and I met This group called Brass Engine Productions, and they do a lot of steam. Or at the time, they were doing a lot of steampunk stuff, web series, and stuff like that. Hmm. And uh, the owner of the group is super nice. And I mean, if I don't know how much he knows about cyberpunk, but I eventually we might have him on an episode. Um. I know he was like he was the first person to actually give this podcast a follow on iHeart. Mm. Ooh, woo! Um, <laughs> yes, and Ben, thank you for that. Um, but um, he was a like I said, he was steam all into steampunk and. I feel like, you know, that's kind of me, but cyberpunk. <laughs> and really, those two kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. One's retro-futuristic, and one's neo-futuristic. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, some might say steampunk evolved from cyberpunk, only decided to go Some
0: retro. do say that. And a lot of people say that, you know, it's like, well, well, since cyberpunk was out first, they go, well, retrofuturism was just them looking at cyberpunk and going, well, what if we went this way with it? Uh And I mean, if you look at the Bioshock games, which a lot of people try and classify as cyberpunk, It's like, really, it's more retro-futuristic than anything. I wouldn't call it steampunk. I wouldn't call it, you know, it's definitely not cyberpunk.
1: Of course, you know, that is is the big question on what is cyberpunk and what isn't.
0: I've actually covered that on our first episode. seems like a while ago now. <laughs> Not gonna that
4: lie. Was, I will pull that definition it's, back up. This is your first episode of the whole uh,
0: Kitten Caboodles.
2: It was in January. <laughs> it was late in January that uh, this yes. episode was. Before. So,
0: let, I'll go ahead and read this. Um, just as a reminder, or in case people haven't listened to the first one before they got here. Um, so, cyberpunk is defined as a subgenre of science fiction set in a dystopian, futuristic setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first big novel of the genre was the... Let me see when we're covering it real quick.
2: The first episode was uh,
0: The Yeah, it wasn't that one. It was 1968 novel, which is two weeks from now. It is Do Android Dream of Electric Sheep.
2: Yeah. And, the, yeah, I remember it's set in the future. So if it's set in pulp, like 1920s, that's not future. That's past. That's future. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, what is that, retro futurism? Yep, retrofuturism. So, uh, Pulp is not cyberpunk. Stuff like 2077, that's cyberpunk.
0: I would consider Fallout kind of a retrofuturism.
2: Yes, it is. It's kind of retro, even (laughs) though it's like 300 years in the future.
0: It is, but the stylization's out of, like, the 1950s. Yeah.
1: Yeah, what if the 1950s mentality existed for two hundred years. Basically uh,
3: it's what happened if the 1950s stuck around but technology advanced at five times its normal rate. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Except for the transistor. The transistor never made it into the Fallout universe. Oh yeah, yeah. That's really why hard. everything's all tubes. Yeah.
3: Tubes.
5: Yeah, but well, tubes you- are cool looking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, oh cool. Anyway, Randy, I'd like to know Well, I'm Give gonna go down the list here. Going off. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna there start go. going down the list here. So actually I'm gonna start with Graham Graham. What is your favorite cyberpunk class? He trooper. Okay.
5: Unless we're talking about the ones that have been since the very beginning the solo All
0: right Barry, what is your favorite class?
2: Since I haven't played them all, I don't have a favorite yet.
0: Which one have you played the most?
2: Um, I think I've played my fixer the most.
0: Alright. Um I'm gonna skip myself for now. Toby, do you have any experience
4: with very, 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 very little. I mean, one session, and it wasn't even a full session. Uh, yeah, with a med tech.
1: Okay.
0: Um, uh, yes, Randy,
1: I have a special place in my heart for fixers, but um, I'm very much I can I'm I'm very much fond of all of them, really. Mm.
0: But if you had to pick one,
1: I've probably then played more Fixers than I've played anything else.
0: Okay. I can fixer. think of
1: at least three Fixer characters that I've played off if the top of my anything,
0: head. <laughs> I will say Fixer was the one I originally saw and fell in love with. I mean, I like Solo, but I'm like, eh. Solo yeah. is just combat. Yeah, hey,
3: look, Solo is just combat.
1: combat monster. But there's versatility in Solo. I mean, oh yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can be the street race samurai or the full guns and ammo mercenary or anything in between. Yeah. The so, assassin,
3: the bruiser, the yes. melee expert, and if solos can do anything. As long as it's combat based.
1: <laughs> I think I fell in love with this fixer because of the style. <laughs> yeah. So, That's
2: um,
0: precisely why I like the fixer. Of the
2: characters I've played, I know I played a media... And a fixer and a med tech, but I forget what Turner's classes. He was a med tech. Oh, he, so I played two med techs.
4: Um, Do we have a session tonight yet? By the way,
2: um, we not a
4: so. Pathfinder. Yeah,
2: And no, I think we he's uh, taking uh, a week off right now, so another one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, something okay. came up. Gotcha. That's cool. Um, Sammy, what is your favorite class? I don't have to ask, but I am. <laughs> in Cyberpunk
3: 2020, um, I fell in love with the Netrunner as soon as I saw it. knew it. But, but, but... You know, that was before I read the extra source book on netrunning. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but despite that, I still loved the idea of netrunners, the hackers of the group, what they, they were meant to do. Obviously, as we've already discussed, the way they play isn't entirely amazing, but they're still my favourite from 2020. Mm. I wouldn't yeah. get another class over netrunner.
1: When I was... Well, when I played Shadowrun, which I did before I got to Cyberpunk, I was a hardcore Decker. I will admit that. Um, But there's a reason why when I went from Shadowrun to Cyberpunk, my Decker character became a fixer.
0: Mm. (laughs) So, first character I ever created... Well, actually, first or second character I ever created for Cyberpunk, because I think the first one was a solo. But Mm. I quickly moved on to my second character and just, you know, went and developed an entire storyline for her. Uh, it was a fixer named Lotus. Ah. Um, and Sammy and that- I basically <laughs> created an entire... <laughs> I was about to say, that
3: blossomed into an amazingly huge history between two characters made for a cyberpunk game that never actually happened. Because I never knew how to run cyberpunk.
0: (laughs) I will say, though, uh, and this will be a spoiler for... are cyberpunk 2020 sessions that will inevitably end up on the YouTube channel. Um, and, and I don't know if we'll put them on iHeart or not, but anyway. Um, the fixer I will be playing in 2020 is Lotus. Alright.
5: I'm playing solo. Why not? what?
2: I was I kind know. of thinking about playing a fixer, but if you got a fixer array, maybe I'll make a new character. It's a class I've never played before.
5: Med tech. Make a med tech. I thought I you were, were doing a locker already.
1: <laughs> I know. In developing, like I said, I tend to recycle some of my old characters and turn them into NPCs. So I already have three fixers there, but one's going to be a mission giver, one's going to be a fence, etc. Ah. Uh.
3: Talking about our session zero now, for those yeah, who are still yeah. listening. <laughs> yeah, I, I, sure. The thing is,
1: I am waiting to know what everyone's going to play, so I know which NPCs I really have to detail. Like, uh, if none of you are going to play a med techie, I know I'm going to have to make one in detail, because you'll be visiting him a lot. So uh, either, for, class, either to get healed or upgrades. The classes
2: <laughs> I've never played in 2020 are Solo, Rocker, uh Netrunner, Nomad, Cop Corp Techie. I, mean, I know Grim
5: okay is
0: playing MedTech for the first time. I does okay. to me. I thought Grim was considering solo.
5: I was considering solo, yeah. But I mean I don't okay think making a MedTech.
2: Wait a minute, now that I think about it, didn't I play a cop in a game about fifteen years ago?
1: Yeah, no, but, but no, did you? That, that character never really meshed with the group. Mm, if yeah, I remember correctly, I mean, if he a, was a
0: cop. To, to be fair, cops in right? or in the cyberpunk universe don't really connect with players. <laughs>
1: they can, but they have to. They, they have to be. It has to be one of those things that you develop really well. Yeah, and um, I'll, I'll be
2: perfectly honest. I didn't really feel it with that character.
3: I mean, just just look at it from a gameplay point of view. You've got your corrupt corporates. You've got your drug-smuggling, deal-breaking fixers. You've got your smuggling, jail-breaking, badass nomads. You've got your killer-murderer solos. And then you've got a cop.
1: <laughs> well, so did. which
3: one of you do I arrest first?
1: <laughs> well, you can have equally corrupt cops. Yeah or cops that basically need to uh, do something on the side just to feed their families. So, which is actually... There's ways of doing it.
0: I was going to say, which is actually... Because I did send you... I don't know if you saw it, but I did send you my 3x3. Three three.
1: Um, and if you really want a good example of how cops can work in a cyberpunk thing, watch Bubblegum Crisis, either version. Mm i seen it, but I wasn't watching for that specifically.
5: Alright, so...
1: <laughs> Alright, anything else, since we've got about, what, ten minutes?
0: <laughs> uh, about, I guess we could okay. do our plugs, unless anyone has some last topic they want to talk about. Uh...
3: Yes, do not put playing a media in 2020. They are a great role-play
2: opportunity. Yeah, I know I've done that. The media character I played, I uh, loosely based his personality off of professional wrestler persona Alberto Del Rio. And I actually kind of semi-felt it with that character, but not completely. It always felt forced.
5: Yeah. What advice would you give to players just starting out who wanted to pick up Cyberpunk twenty twenty, Brandy?
1: Um, playing for the first time, mm-hmm. keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, yeah. Don't go into much detail. Solos are the easiest to play. They're the they're the Cyberpunk equivalent of fighters. Yep. Um, yeah. Make, yeah make, I'm gonna
0: go punch it.
1: Yeah. What
0: I wanna, would say uh, the
4: most
3: challenging would be
1: Oh, no the most challenging Well,
3: that's obvious. It's Netrunner. 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 <laughs> Netrunner. Well,
1: like I said, playing either a cop or a corporate is one of those that is the role playing challenge to get them to fit into the group. Mm.
0: I feel like a corporate would be easier to fit in cuz you're just kind of financing
1: things. It's yes, but to to you can finance things but then you're basically just standing in the background while everybody does everything. It's mm. not what I'm. What I'm talking about is playing either one and getting it to mesh in with the group. Yeah. Yeah. Because playing just about any other class, you can fit in. Um, nomads actually very easy. <laughs> nomads yeah. oh, sense.
0: Sense.
1: <laughs> are probably choice two.
0: Med tech, um, you will definitely want to have in the group.
1: Yes. Um, Med techs,
5: you like the clerics, slash paladins, slash healers. <laughs>
1: Net runners are great to fit in the group. Horrible for the GM to run as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, fixers, fucking easy to fit into the group. Techies, well, you're all going to need your guns, you know, clean. College, up to date. Yeah. <laughs> So that's not an issue either. It's really the corporates or the or the cops that have an issue of fitting into the team. Mm.
5: I will state one of the reasons I liked PA Trooper when I first saw it was uh was it was like having a techie combined with a solo. In my opinion, I never actually got the game tested, but. It seemed a while like having a tech combined with a solo.
1: Yeah, PA Trooper really works only as if you're basically running a military campaign, which is the issue. Mm -hmm. If you're running corporate military, fourth corporate war, you're usually going to be working for Militech or Arasaka, and both of them would have PA troops. When running something on the street, that's a little harder to mesh in. Mm And most, most GMs will start with a straight campaign.
5: Yeah, I don't I don't blame anyone there. I'm just stating that that's why I like to be uh,
1: Well, mind you, I did used to have rules for dueling, basically the, the cyberpunk equivalent of multi-classing. I might pester Bob until he passes those over to me.
0: I will say um, they do have that in red.
1: Yeah, they do.
2: So, before we uh, close this out, I got something that's tangentially related. Um, Would you say that World of Future Darkness is close enough to fit into this? Because it was literally um, fitting in Cyberpunk 2020 and the original World of Darkness together.
1: Barry? Yeah. Go sit in the corner and put the cap on. So, that's a no. Okay. (laughs)
4: where does he get a cool
3: cap I want a cap
4: (laughs) cap. fighting over the dunce cap (laughs) (laughs) so
0: uh, to wrap this up Barry where can we
2: find you if you want more of me you can look up khzhak on youtube twitch and twitter my pin tweet on Twitter links to adult content. If you don't want it, don't click the links there. Otherwise, I don't stream myself on Twitch, but I host other channels that are uh, friends, and some friends I even joined them in their streams. So uh, if you catch that sh- my channel at the right time, you're gonna hear me in the stream too. Um, my uh, YouTube channel—I'm only really um, doing reactions up there nowadays. But I will link in the related channels to other channels with content with me, at, like podcasts and D and D games and other stuff. Next.
3: Great. Now go sit back in the corner. All right. Uh,
4: if you want to uh, hear YouTube. more, if you want to hear me more, uh, there is a uh, YouTube channel that I run called Melody's Place. Uh, it is Minecraft content. Uh, tutorials, mostly run-through stuff. Uh, but anyway, yay, you can find me there. Wendy.
1: <laughs> Alright. I am Randy Ronson McCulloch. You can find myself and Dunceboy up there um, <laughs> weekdays at around noonish, with Mad Matt Winchell and Aaron Romeo Moon-Burke playing Borderlands and Phasmophobia, as well as Lord of the Rings Online on Sunday nights. <laughs> you can also find me and Matt at 10 uh, PM. Wednesday nights, Central Time, for an unearthly podcast, where we talk about Doctor Who and review episodes, etc.
0: Okay. uh, Sammy. Grimmer, Sammy. Don't look at
3: me. I don't stream. I don't have a YouTube. This is the only place where you'll find me, as well as with our, our mother... Group which is FML Productions.
5: Right, so you'll find Rupus, Sammy, and myself at FML Productions. Um, it's that's the name of the YouTube channel. Um, and well, sometimes we,
4: you'll
5: find me there too. Right, and, and sometimes Barry. Um, and even occasionally Randy. But, um, most of it is uh, most of it is podcast. Uh in fact I believe other than a few Thanks times for nothing podcast. To...
3: Yeah. Yeah Grim, you're, you're messing us up. Yeah, so the FML production group, we do podcasts. As Lupus just said, it's the Thanks for Nothing podcast. We also do D D games. We may also be doing a cyberpunk game. But that might be uploaded just here. I don't know because I'm not the one uploading it. Not my job. It'll
0: probably be uploaded here. <laughs> <laughs> so so we've, got, uh, we've got
3: YouTube. We've got uh, what else do we have, Lucas?
5: We do Facebook.
3: Yep, Facebook. We all that stuff. Twitter. We don't coffee. have Coffee. Yeah, if you want to donate to us, please do. It's much appreciated. No, say again. I was gonna say, if you're gonna donate to us, please
4: send coffee
0: out. Yeah. <laughs> but um, for this particular podcast, the Generation Cyberpunk Podcast, uh, we do have a Twitch is at Gen Cyberpunk Pod. We our Twitch is Gen Cyberpunk Pod. Twitter is at Gen Cyberpunk Pod. YouTube, you just look up Generation Cyberpunk on YouTube. You should be able to find us. Uh, we have an Instagram which is Jin Cyberpunk pod. There are photos going up slowly and then we have a Facebook which if you search Jin Cyberpunk pod on Facebook you will find us uh, And since that's it we will see you later cyberpunks.